Hi, and welcome to the Dewing Grain podcast. Dewing Grain are independent and local grade traders. From seed supply to harvest movement and storage contracts, they can offer you the best strategies to achieve the highest prices for your harvest. Each week on our podcast, we begin with the Dewing Grain Market Report, giving you up-to-date information and analysis, followed by Farm Chat, where we catch up on agricultural issues with a guest or two while sampling a beer. Andrew's favourite bit. So let's start with Andrew Dewing and this week's Market Report. Welcome to the Market Report. What follows are my thoughts or gut instincts on what the market is going to do. It is not an instruction to trade. Any decision to trade is yours. Market report for week commencing 15th of March 2021. This is the real 15th of March market report, whereas last week I got the date wrong. So I have actually managed to catch up and realise what day it is, which is a good sign. Anyway, what should we start with? Let's start with oilseed rape. That's always a, a positive news at the moment. The market on old crop is kind of static. There was a 20 euro correction in prices. In other words, it cacked out the other day which it kind of needed because it had been going up and up and up. Ten euros of that has been recovered. The whole oilseed market around the world is fundamentally bullish. But, you know, the prices in the UK are quite happily sitting around the £430 per tonne mark before bonus, which is good amazingly brilliantly good let's talk about something that perhaps some of you have more interest in which is the new crop rate price that's creeping up i think a week ago we were about 350 355 well it's it's 365 harvest movement now still firming and a still fundamentally bullish market, especially when we're getting some news that several French farmers have been ripping up their oilseed rape fields. They've got issues with, you know, the, the, the frost that occurred. And obviously we've got the lovely little bugs that do all the damage as well. So the French are ripping up their rape, which is going to mean even less supply. So I will leave you to guess what everybody's target price is going to become. When we're paying 365 at the moment, I don't think it'll take a genius. Anyway... Let's move on to some slightly negative price movement, which is feed barley. That one seems to be coming to the end of its reign. It's sub 160 now, so we have predicted this, and I love love to rub that in when we get something right for a change, because we're going to move on to one I've got wrong in a minute. But anyway, so feed barley is valued around about 157 X farm spot, and I think that one will fade as time goes on, as previously stated. So let's move on to, well, feed wheat. Now, feed wheat, I've been predicting a market that continuously stays firm. And at the moment, if you look at the futures as your benchmark it's it's kind of wavering it's 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 trying very hard there's some big volumes being offered here and there and some trades going on pushing the price in a slightly lower direction but the price of wheat is still over 200 pounds a ton if you were offering me wheat today i would bid you 201 so it's a couple of quid down from last week i don't i don't feel the pressure on it i just don't feel there is very much wheat out there to buy uh, if you're worried about not making 200 for the bit you've been saving then yet yeah, by all means get on with it there's no guarantees the price will stay up but in my view it's going to stay around these prices for quite a long time and as a, an experienced farm wheat buyer I can say hand on heart, I've never known there being such a sparse amount out there available to sell. And I'll use this podcast to say if you've got some that isn't sold and we don't know about it, we haven't had a conversation, flag it up, you know, or when you clear your contracts and you find a bit left, please phone us up. Everyone else will be thinking the same thoughts, but they don't do podcasts. So yeah, give us at least a shot at it. And that should give you an indication that I'm you know, keen to buy it. I, I'm not the only person who needs old crop wheat. 
just on a, just an a, just a little ironic note here you know uh, you know the the boy that cried wolf story this has happened so many times in the past it's it's just amusing but just the other day when the USDA figures came out they they all came out unchanged and kind of left the market feeling a little bit bored and and it dropped off a bit on several commodities and a few of the funds shortened their position which is underlyingly long but around that time or just before it Egypt announced and Egypt, uh, the, the buying is, is known as GASC, G-A-S-C. Anyway, they, they announced that they've got enough stock and will not need any more wheat. In other words, they're out of the market, they're completely cool, they've got plenty of it there. Now, if that had never happened before, which, you know, fine, it would be a big moment. And, and Chicago did drop back a bit, and possibly that was an influence. Anyway, as a rule of thumb, and someone put this on Twitter the other day, and it's, it's absolutely true. As a rule of thumb, if the Egyptians come out and say, we've got enough stock, we don't need any more, they need some more wheat. Anyway, lo and behold, the very next day, the price a bit lower, guess who came into the international market to buy, or put out a tender to buy to wheat? Yes, you got it. And uh, lo and behold, they bought 360,000 tonnes for April movement, which is pretty spot off Romania. So it, it just shows you that in the end, it, it, you, everybody kind of knows they're spoofing, but it, whether it had an effect or not, I don't know. It must have made some Egyptian feel good anyway. Finally, new crop prices on feed wheat I want to talk about. Look, the sun is going to be on your back again. That There's people now beginning to get on with drilling again we had a very what can be described as annoying rain that occurred on wednesday last week which is just it just kind of got in the way it was just enough to stop people and just so bit of office work to be done but largely it made people a a tad grumpy as a just finishing off the sugar beet, whatever. We're back on it again on the lighter lands, the land that will that will easily work. So I think the forecast we've got going ahead is pretty positive. There is the odd bit of rain in there, but largely I would say we we are cracking on, and the crop is really beginning to green up. It's not warmed up enough yet, but if it gets a, a spot of really nice warm weather, I think it's going to really really crack on, and we'll all feel massively better about it. That will have an impact on new crop prices. So I think in the short term, with these really high new crop prices, you know, some people might feel more comfortable to sell a bit. Our view as a business is we think it's still got lots and lots of things to make it go up again or come back up to these levels. I don't think it's going to be a straightforward run all the way through to harvest without there being hiccups or fears or worries about production. So bearing in mind it's not my money that I'm speculating on here is your money you're the person who's farming you're the one with 170 pounds a ton being bid at some point in the year for your wheat and you're the one who's not actually selling it so you know I'm not going to take responsibility for it I have a view I do believe the market's going to go up and as I've said before even though I sometimes think it unfortunately I am not God and I can't actually be the person that dictates or knows what happens next because if I did bluntly I'd make the money I needed to make tomorrow and then retire wouldn't I anyway with that happy thought this week we've got a real live guest uh, and which will be coming on shortly so have a great week's farming have a great week's trading I hope the weather's going to do all that you want it to do and um, yeah good time to be around cheers thank you for listening please remember that any decision to trade on this opinion is yours. The Dewing Grain app will keep you updated with real-time industry news, data analysis and insights into the market, giving you all the information you need to make informed trading decisions. A commodity selling feature enables you to source prices and receive direct offer notifications informing you on what Dewing Grain are looking to buy and at what price. 
Search Dewing Grain on the App Store or Google Play to download and with all of these features in your pocket, you'll have more time to sit back and listen to our podcast. To set up a trading account with us, call 01263 731 550 or email info at dewinggrain.co.uk. And now it's time for Farm Chat. This week, I have some really exciting news. I have got a guest from outside the Doing Grain world. Toby Mermigan, farmer in Olby. Welcome to the Doing Grain podcast. Thank you, Andrew. Nice to be on. and Nice to see a fresh face myself. Yeah, well, you know, we've, we've managed to sit enough metres apart with our very long leads. Mind you, you've had, you've had the dreaded lurgy in your household during, during this last 12 months, haven't you? Yeah, we, we did. We did. We had a brush with it just after Christmas. My wife, Teresa, was diagnosed because because she was worried that someone else had had it and she might have it and she was feeling a bit rough. So she went for a test and came back positive and we all thought, you know, we were going to get it and it was going to be terrible. But actually, we were extremely lucky. She had a very mild version and the rest of us didn't get it, rather surprisingly. And you've taken the bell off from around her neck now and she's not got to shout unclean any longer yeah no we didn't lock her in her bedroom and she did carry on doing the cooking actually which was excellent (laughs) very good of her obviously and and (laughs) and uh so we're all fine so we're very grateful yeah no absolutely there's there's we all know the the miseries of it we've had light brushes with it in within our office no one in my family's had it but you know Mm. it's instantly you hear of it yeah you instantly think "Uh oh I'm, i'm a goner but it seems now we've got a jab. We've just discussed that. We're about to have our jab next week, aren't we? Because we we're are. We in are. our 50s. Now that we're old and they've got to us. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, you know, I, will, will we feel invincible straight afterwards? A debate, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, having, you know, I, I did feel a bit sort of immune to it after after it had been through our household and I didn't get it. But, yeah, uh, but I can there imagine we go. That, actually. We mustn't, mustn't be complacent, I guess. No, well, that is the, I mean, going to Sainsbury's with your mask on and putting goo on your hands and all that stuff. How long is that going to last? We're going to be, this yeah. is the strangest time, isn't it? Because we've never done that ever. And all of a sudden, here we are washing our hands every two minutes, putting the you know, antiseptic on or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, thankfully we're hopefully on the on the way out of it now. So and it's and it's lovely to see a face and rather than sort of on a computer screen and those dreadful Zoom, Zoom meetings. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I couldn't agree more. I've been itching to get out here, but the roving reporter that I am. Anyway, so so right, Toby, you are you know Toby and I have known each other for 1990 was when I went to Holt Rugby Club. So that's when we played rugby together. Correct. And I, I tell mm. my favourite story about you is that you used to be outside centre and I was full back. In Charlie Crafer's famous second team that had the port box. Do you remember? Oh, I do, yeah. And uh, you used to have this brilliant talent of carrying the ball right up to the either big and ugly or small and determined opposition outside centre. And just as you got snotted, you'd pop the ball to me and I'd run straight <laughs> through. I've got more tries with you just that side of me than any other time in my rugby career. Oh, well, that's nice to hear, Andrew. And yeah, we used to, you, you even look quite quick. <laughs> yeah. As you sort of dashed through the gap. (laughs) Yeah, those were the days. Well, the the gap was made by the fact that you're prepared to get slaughtered every time. You never did actually get badly injured through any of those, which was always amazing as well, because some of it was ugly. But anyway, good days, good days. Holt RFC, yeah. Mm. Even I had hair then. Yeah. So that's 1990, that's 30, is it 30? Yeah, 31 31 years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've been trading in that ever since then, haven't we? You know? We have, yeah. And although, 
you know, you produce fantastic malting barley, you produce really good yielding wheat, you, you farm on some fabulous land just north of Ailsham. My place in your world of, of income is not the highest, is it? I, I know my place in the great plan of things on Olby Farming Company. Yeah, I, I mean, that's correct. Our, our main focus is is potatoes. Just over the years since I've been here at Olby and I came I started farming here when I was 22 or 23 or something and I'm so many years ago we have taken the course of growing a potato business and that became our speciality on on that the very first question I want to ask is on the basis of what happened yesterday because how many millimeters of rain came down yesterday do we know that we had about 12 I think when I checked my rain gauge it it felt like a lot more than that and Mm. and we've had I mean already this year's different to last year in that we've had a rain in the middle of March because last year it went dry and stayed dry didn't it and the potato planting season then had incredibly warm weather which warmed the land up and you could crack on you were getting going probably by about now and you know the weather that happened yesterday along with the cold it's it's not happened yet has it no it hasn't no and you know that's that's how it goes isn't it in farming you you get all sorts and the weather determines so much and it's the great variable that we can't control so i mean does it does it you know as a 22 year old when you came in and that weather happened would you be kicking the wall and biting your arm or something or yeah I probably mean, the, the difference now is you're kind of like man yeah no, i've seen it all before let's yeah. just chill out a bit yeah exactly that so i mean the, you have to have enough capacity whether it's planting or combining or whatever it is you're doing to make sure you can deal with the you know the worst whatever of the weather it. what would be the the best weather that could happen from the potato planting perspective and the rest of your spring work what would be the best weather that could happen well that it stops raining today mm-hmm. and doesn't rain for about four weeks so we can get a good start and then we have a nice rain in the middle and then we have another four weeks of dry and then it rains that'd be good then okay. we'll be done planting have everything in and do you want the rain at night yeah at night preferably okay exactly. and how much rain <laughs> 20 <don't> mil <laughs> 20 mil every other day? No, is it to, to make the ranches? Yeah. Well, you know, what... And the temperature about 20 degrees. Yeah, exactly. Nice. Yeah. I mean, that, that, right. that is what we got last March. And then it didn't bother with the rain in four weeks' time, did it? It just stayed dry. Right well, last, last spring was, was a wonderful spring for getting potatoes in the ground, getting in the ground in pretty good nick. But then, of course, we didn't get any rain till I can't remember when. And some of the crops started to suffer with drought. First week of June was a proper rain. Uh, that yeah. saved the cereal crops. Just. It was a bit late, possibly, for some of the winter barley, I think. Yeah. From a potato perspective, so last year's potato crop was average? Our yields will be slightly above average for okay. last year. It went, okay. went in the ground well. We had some reasonable rain events during the growing season. And then, of course, we had a horrible autumn, though there were a nightmare to get out of the ground. So did you leave, have many left when it got to the point when, the, when it, because it was late September this year when it turned, wasn't it? Did yeah, you? that's right. So that's... We, we were battling very wet weather from about the 23rd of September onwards. And did you get it all out? Did you get them all out? Or did we you... did. We finished on about November the 20th, which is, okay. you know, we, we planned to finish at the end of October. Um, but considering just how wet it had been, I thought actually finishing on November the 20th was was reasonably, I was reasonably happy with that. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, you're bearing your soul on this. There'll be some, oh, oh we finished before then, or, or we didn't finish. Mm. You're going to be smug or, or an idiot, depending on who's listening to this. But the beauty of this is that, the you know, the point I'm trying to get to is growing a crop. I mean, we have some very aware listeners. All Everyone knows everything about farming. And we've got some people who don't know very much at all. So mm. the, your audience is kind of like yeah. either incredibly critical or ob- observational and others who, who, who just half the time don't know 
because of the jargon we use, we yeah. don't know we're using. So it, from a simple perspective, you know, this is the time of year when potatoes are planted. And at this precise moment, it rained yesterday, which is incredibly irritating because the tractor gets stuck and the machine clogs up. If it stays dry for four weeks, everything works nicely without any hiccups and the, nothing sinks in a hole in the in the field. Does that sum it up for that? Yeah, it's <laughs> about right. And then what we want is, is, is a little bit of rain just to, just to get the ones that are planted to sort of continue to grow because they... Yeah you know kick off and then we've got to bear in mind the other crops at the same time mm. four weeks of dry when you've just put fertilizer on cereals mm. is possibly and will that rain be enough to kick everything off and that will absorb everything there you know we undertake obviously a fertilizer program so there's fertilizer going on intermittently and if you don't get rain it stays on the surface so you do need rain throughout the sort of you know that that time period yeah so the stuff that's gone on the ground now will be Washing into the soil, going into the roots, the the, the wheat crops are beginning to turn greener and yeah. look, look healthy, aren't they? Yeah, they when, are. And the stuff that went in in good time in September, just before it got too wet last autumn, some of those crops do look really well, I think. Yes, I'm quite pleased with how our autumn drilling programme went compared to the previous year when we struggled and we actually brought another another man and another tractor into the team this autumn. On the basis of experience from the previous exactly year. Exactly that, yeah, mm. that we didn't want to go through another season of being slightly under-equipped, I think, for what we had to do. So, um, I mean, some years it works, doesn't it? You know, I mean, there's, there's the famous land agent moment where a blank piece of paper says, right, that combine can do that many acres, therefore we'll commit it to that many acres. Mm. That's assuming, you know, sort of 10 in the morning till 10 at night combining without any rain and everything's perfect and you haven't got to travel 15 miles between fields or something. Yeah. Yeah, and so, you know, and farming one year exactly the same as you should have done last year is one of the biggest sins it's very unusual for it to be two wet almost identical winters because they were pretty similar weren't they they were very similar yeah and and as a consequence of that we having got a little caught out the year before and the really wet autumn we did slightly change what we we're doing and that was a good thing because it happened again mm. and we didn't have as much wheat to sell this year as mm. we would have liked but hopefully we'll be in a better position well that's next why the year. price has gone to 200 pounds a ton isn't it it's yeah just face it everybody had the same problem people didn't get the stuff in the ground. some parts of south lincolnshire north cambridgeshire you know that midlands area didn't get any grain in at all and it got flooded so in autumn 19 and consequently i mean this year they've got a crop to sell which is a bit of a treat but the dynamic of supply and demand is different in the sense there is much more being there is more being produced this year it won't be a 10 million ton crop he said pre the big drought or whatever kills everything but there is much less carried over from one year to the next mm. last year there's a big jump up in prices from the previous year to the start of it was this year there's an enormous drop in prices so nobody's going to carry anything in their shed over and um so the supply and demand is is already it's not as t- it's not we have a surplus probably mm. but it's tighter than uh, than any consumer really wants yeah yeah, it's, it's looking exciting, isn't it? I think it puts you in the driving seat a bit. Once you've got through harvest and you haven't got to move something as a farmer collectively, you can say, "No, nah, I'm not going to sell it." Mm. Now, that, now, luckily for the grain trade, you don't all talk to each other and and, and confide. There's no cooperative sector that functions properly. Yeah. which is all your own fault, farmers, I'm afraid. You haven't needed one because you've been able to make a living well enough in that period. But just imagine if you did. Just imagine if you did have a, a functioning cooperative that went. 
nah, let's not let them have it, let's keep it back or let's make someone export enough to make it short and have make, get, get the consumer to pay up. Mm. little fantasy there. But they don't tend to work, do they? Um, a long history of not, work, not working very well. Cooperatives are formed in times of adversity. Mm. And there's there it is. There's been no adversity under, yeah. uh, in the grain sector. And I'll get loads of people telling me that I'm an idiot now, but that, that's a fact. It has it has not been an adverse time. Maybe in the future it will be. I, I'm beginning to suspect that prices of grain are going to continue firm. Because over the, a longer period of time, not just the short term, you think? Production and consumption. Is, mm. is out of sync. Production just about keeps up if we have a perfect harvest every single year all over the world. That's a big ask. And mm. if you go through history, we've had perfect harvest pretty well, you know, it, taking everything into account for a number of years. We have not had a volcanic eruption cutting down photosynthesis. We've not had anything that's really corrupted production. And it's only a matter of time before that moment occurs. And with, with China, you know, buying, buying, buying and and expanding on their, you know, the amount of meat eaten, etc. It is, I'm afraid, the sum doesn't add up. Something's got to give. Mm. And everyone turning vegan is not the answer either. It isn't going to work. It's not, you know, it's, this is a, there's a long journey to be had. And in between now and then, cereal prices are going to be very buoyant. A good time to be a farmer, perhaps. I think so. I think mm. so. But it's, it depends what you're doing, what your land is like, and what your alternatives are. I mean, you have great land that you can rotate. You know, you, you have... I mean, sugar beet is something that you've got in the rotation at the moment. Is that an option? At the moment. Yeah. I mean, yeah. every farmer's the same. Some people are signed into a three-year deal. And they're stuck for another year, and no matter what happens, you know, there's a, there's a distinct possibility at the moment that, that there are farmers who will be kicking it into touch if they can find a viable alternative to do it. Yeah, certainly, particularly at these, at these cereal prices, um, sugar beet is not stacking up at the moment. No. And what's interesting is the quietness of British sugar, I think. You know, I would have thought, that they would be saying more about what prospects are like in the next few years for sugar beet growers, but they've gone very quiet. Mm. Are you? Are you on a? Is everybody on a three-year deal? No, I mean there was the option, and right. we did a fair percentage of ours on a three-year deal, so we are committed for now. I, I'm not too worried about that because I think it gives us a chance to just see, rather than pulling out of the crop, which is not a decision you take lightly, having been in it forever, it gives us a chance to see where British Sugar are going because what worries me is is how little they say. There's very little communication. There's very little, there's very little for us to go by as growers as to what the direction is. Mm. In a year or so's time, there could be a lot of uh, second-hand sugar beet lifting equipment for sale. There could, yeah. And that, that the um, price has either got to go up sufficiently, yeah, which is needs a fair jump, or that's the end of British sugar beet growing in as the, we know it. Well, they'll be will they be importing cane into Great Yarmouth and shipping it up the year on the, yeah, on the barge? That's right. So what they're thinking would be interesting to know. I, I, I don't suppose it, we'll get to know yet. Well, which then boils down to what's the alternative? What can you grow instead? And there is the, the biggest dilemma. Lots of people are, are pursuing, you know, word, word has it there's going to be oats, a, a new oat plant in Peterborough that's going mm. to be looking at buying a, um, several thousand tonnes of, of oats. Now, that could be an alternative for some people if the price is a break. And yeah. it isn't, maybe that will plug some of the gap. All break has trouble big trouble mm. people are, are looking now post frost at the stems with all the flea beetle in and there's some ugly sites out there yeah there are i mean we're, we're still managing to grow touchwood oilseed rape reasonably successfully so it's it oilseed rape is an important part continues to be an important part in our rotation and providing we can keep the 
dreaded flea beetle out, that won't change, mm. with particularly where prices are at the moment. Yeah, sugar beet's the big question mark, I think, and, mm. and what might we replace that with? I've got, it's going to be interesting to see where Elms goes and yeah. what opportunities there may be there. What do you think they will be? Well, I don't really know. I, to be honest, I haven't spent a lot of time looking at it because no one knows and there's a lot of speculation but uh, so let's see what comes out. But, you know, being paid to, to put cover crops in and, and restore health to the soil, I think that could be attractive, possibly. I don't know. Well, it's as an alternative to sugar beet. As an alternative to sugar yeah. beet, yeah. Are you allowed to do that? Is it going to be on a, in a rotational basis? Can you like do a field for a year under elms and then swap the field to a, a different field? As I understand it, I think they are thinking about rotational lays. There you go. There goes, um, there goes sugar beet then. Yeah, possibly. I mean, obviously, they'll have to pay enough to attract us out of it, or out of cropping. But, um, that, you know, who knows what's going to happen. And But I think I've got one eye on that anyway. Mm. And, you know, certainly also what would be attractive is if we could combine rotational cover cropping with cover crops that are that are beneficial for, uh, particularly for potatoes and potato diseases, like potato cyst nematode. Yeah. Um, is there a particular plant that takes them to pieces then yeah there are i'm no expert but there are sort of mustards and things uh and that the cyst nematodes don't like them exactly Brilliant. so so if, if we could incorporate something that sort of helps the general rotation well that would then reduce the amount of sprays the next time around for the exactly yeah so so you know who, who knows what may come out but i've certainly got one eye on that um, is that is everyone relying on the nfu to negotiate that with with government is where, where, where does that lie I, I should know this i know but i spend my life you know with my podcast machine and, and looking at the future screen. Uh, I, I mean, as I understand it, I'm not an expert, but as I understand it, DEFRA is undertaking taking trials with various farmers and okay. uh, various bodies, and they will come to some conclusions yeah, at You some need point. a serious spud man in there, don't you, saying, what, well, you need some of that mustard there, boy, that, that's the one that kills all them cyst nematodes. <laughs> you pay the most money for that. That's what you want to do. Yeah. <laughs> all right, then, yeah. Yeah, thank you, Mr. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, so uh, uh, we probably do. You're right, but hopefully that you know these things tend to evolve anyway, don't they? Yeah, Toby, I'm going to I'm going to cut off our conversation halfway through here because I think we've we've got a lot more to talk about, and um and and then come back and do a second edition next week with you as 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 our next. But we'll we'll uh, say at this point, thank you very much for part one of the Toby Mermigan farming story. Oh, it's a pleasure to talk to you, Andrew, as always. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to get new episodes as they are released and follow us on Twitter. We are at Dewing Grain. Call Dewing Grain on 01263 731 or email info at dewinggrain.co.uk. The Dewing Grain podcast is produced by East Coast Design Studio in Norwich.